I think you already mentioned there's a podcast, Justin, but just in case folks forgot in the last couple minutes, um, you can feel free if you do feel inclined to do so to subscribe to the Pages Pod podcast, um, the plan. Oh, you already mentioned this, but yeah, the plan is to upload these recordings eventually over time. Um, and we'll have just kind of documentation and also a way to review like conversations that we have over over time. So yeah, I think we can jump right into it if I'm not forgetting anything. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right, cool. So um, the book uh, that inspired this conversation, as I mentioned before, Black Woman, Black Love, America's War on African-American Marriage by Diane Stewart. Um, that sounds interesting. Like what is... What was this book about? Because you know I read it, <laughs> and for everybody else, everybody else in the room yeah. who has not read it, um, let us. Can we get a short recap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Short recap. Emphasis on the short, though. So, yeah, Black Women, Black Love um, is this book uh, that recently came out. I believe it was published uh, last year or in 2020. I should probably fact check that. Um, but I mean, it was recently published uh, by Diane Stewart. Um, <clears throat> and the book is about uh, this notion that she calls forbidden Black love, right? And in presenting that notion, she talks about the history of marriage, uh, particularly for African-Americans, um, and the present like status of marriage for Black people, but particularly Black women. Um, although there's a really nice chapter in there that discusses the prison industrial complex and its impact on Black men. But uh, yeah, the history of marriage, the present state of marriage for Black folks in America. Okay, interesting. So it sounds like that might be important to understand as far as like what you might be saying as we go through like our conversation and so when you talk about the history of marriage like what what is that can you give like a brief description of like what history um was in the book yeah for sure so of course right there's a lot of other works that talk about the history of marriage broadly in global context um so there's stephanie kuntz's uh, marriage a history which is an interesting book so i'm gonna be probably dropping little wrecks here and there too so if you pick them up that's cool and if not like we said we'll upload them to the pages pod later um, but yeah, so uh, Stuart focuses on the history of American marriage. Um, and of course, you know, this begins with considering sort of the Black subject as slave, right, and not citizen. You know, you'll, you'll find that a lot of the discussion around marriage for Black people in America historically has been about citizenship and sort of full participation um, in, in this American society uh, that, that we have here. And what that means, though, right, is that, you know, given a different starting place, the institution of marriage has meant different things for Black Americans than it has for, say, white Americans. Um, at times where white Americans were able to marry, Black people were not, so Black folks couldn't marry in bondage. Although, like, Stewart talks about, like, uh, how these, like, quasi-marriages were, were conducted by plantation owners, slave masters, and things like this uh, to ensure the mating practices of, of Black women, right? So in slavery, Black women were viewed as, like, super valuable not only because of the labor that they could produce, but they also came with these wounds, you know what I'm saying, that could be populated, inseminated, um, and ultimately beget more slaves, right? So it was like a capital asset. You could get a, a Black woman as a slave, you know, force her to um, uh, bond or, 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 or mate with, with some other slave, or in a lot of cases, of course, we know the history of rape uh, of Black women uh, carried out by white men <clears throat> um, in particular. Um, so, yeah, you kind of you kind of get this as a starting point. Right. It's not like two equals are coming to the, the plate and say, oh, we're in love. This and the third. Right. No, marriage was actually coerced and forced. Um, and this starting point kind of just shapes uh, black people's uh, experience with the institution over time. You know, even after uh, slavery uh, had ended, 
um, in the sort of reconstruction period in the South, there's also like this history around like, uh, you know, being forced to marry, uh, being forced to engage <clears throat> as a way of naturalizing their citizenship. So if two slaves, you know, uh, or bonds, people, uh, Stewart calls them, you know, were forced to mate and had children, you know, once slavery ended during the Reconstruction period, a lot of these uh, pairings were forced to kind of marry simply because they had children together, had nothing to do with love, had everything to do with uh, trying to naturalize Black folks as citizens, but also get them to not rely on the state for support, right? Like there's this whole argument about welfare. And so the idea was if, if, if Black people could be coerced or, or wrangled into the institution of marriage, right, you kind of get this dual income, like a, a sort of like family ability to provide for itself to where Black women in particular don't have to rely on the state uh, for the support of their families. Uh, so she kind of starts here at the starting point, and that shapes, again, like the Black people's experience with, with, with marriage uh, over time. So, yeah. You said a lot there. And so it sounds like the argument that uh, is being made throughout the book, maybe, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that marriage is not the same for Black people as it is for, uh, is it just like, is she comparing it to white people? And like, what is the difference there, according to her? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so she, she does focus on like Blacks and whites as their counterparts, but there's also this paper uh, by R.A. Lindhart called Black Marriage as Citizenship, which she also looks at how marriage uh, marginalized Native Americans in the early history of the United States, uh, but also Asian Americans as well. Um, and I think that the difference, you know, that she that she really focuses on uh, in the beginning is sort of like this this distinction about property, right? Like, in order to marry, you had to be, you know, you had to have the ability to own property. Black people were property; they couldn't own it, right? They couldn't own themselves. Um, and so, you know, you get this sort of marriage being attached to wealth, marriage being like, i.e., property, marriage being attached to citizenship. Um, and again, black people, while contributing to this country, building it um, uh, through its economic exploits. Um, uh, just like, yeah, shape the experience of like black people with the institution of marriage such that marriage, as we currently think of it today, right, it's about love, right? We all, you know, see the hashtags on Instagram, on Twitter, like black love this. I think I just recently followed a page called like healthy black relationships or something like that, healthy black love, right? Um, and, you know, we, we, we love black love, right? And, and a lot of times we want to sort of associate black love with marriage. There's so many I think pieces out now that talk about like, oh, you know, Marriage is on the decline, you know, especially amongst African Americans, right? We're seeing this, this, this decline at, at a quicker rate than other, um, other racial groups. Um, and so, yeah, the, the difference I think then goes into how we're able to like shape ourselves. You know, you think about patriarchy and what it means to be a man. You think about sort of femininity and what it means to be a woman. And marriage is essentially at the heart of, of both of these notions, you know. Um, so whether or not black subjects in America are ever able to achieve like a full person status for one is 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 contentious. Um, and whether or not they're able to achieve full manhood is also contentious. Um, and whether or not they're able to, to sort of like be viewed as like uh, women is, is contentious. And not only their relationship with marriage, you got to think too that, you know, <clears throat> in slavery, right, like bondswomen, Black were tasked with doing a whole range of like different things, a lot of shit that men were doing as well, right? And so the attack on their femininity, the attack on their softness, and they were doing this stuff, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, with little to no clothes on, right? And so you get this hypersexuality piece around Black women, right? Um, but, you know, they, they weren't, they, it, it, it becomes harder for them to be softened, quote unquote. Um, uh, and yeah, so when we end slavery and we start to participate for the first time in the institution of marriage, um, we have to ask questions about, you know, even though 
this is about, say, I don't know, freedom, property, and citizenship for white folks, uh, is are those the same reasons, are those the same motivators uh, for black people? And if not, what does that mean for black citizenship status in America? What does that mean for our agency, whether or not we become poor people and that type of stuff? Whereas like, you know, with our white counterparts always having ha had access to marriage, don't have to engage these same questions around their intimate relationships. That's interesting. I feel like people, for the most part, are not thinking like that. <laughs> I know I was not before you brought it up. Um, but I'm curious, like, how do you respond to or I don't I don't know, because like we're talking from the perspective of the book and Stuart's view. I'm curious about how you might answer this question around like, you know, we heard about like the history of marriage and like how that relates to, to black people in America. And, you know, we're in 2022 now. So is like, how does that translate into like present times? You know what I'm saying? Like, is yeah. that, is there a translation into present times? Like, why is this important? I guess. Yeah. I think, I think it's important because, you know, like I said as a, a minute ago, right. There's all of these like think pieces and shit that's out now or coming out now that's talking about like this marriage decline. And so people are like up in a frenzy that black marriage is not working. You know what I'm saying? And we're pointing at things like, um, you know, the economic gap between Black men and Black women, the education gap between Black men and Black women. Uh, we're pointing to other things too, like social media and sort of like just the accessibility of different kinds of options and, and shit like that. Um, but yeah, you know, aside from it failing, marriage is and can be a, a valuable tool for economic mobility, like upward mobility in this country, right? It's a way to sort of combine incomes, right? It's, it's a lot of different things. And so when we think about like the, uh, I don't know, uh, the the marginalization that African-Americans still experience to this present day, whether or not marriage can be, I don't know, reformed or whether or not it can be quote unquote fixed to work for black people has implications for uh, black families, you know, and their stability, for example, being able to secure housing, being able to secure, uh, um, I don't know, good prospects on education. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's funny because marriage is not a thing that we think about in discussions of civil rights, right? Um, but, you know, I think Stewart would argue that it very much is. Um, and there's this question of like, OK, should we be trying to fix black or should we be trying to fix marriage um, and, and kind of like making it more accessible for black people so that more black people can marry? But when we consider the history, we have I think it, it probes different questions about whether or not the institution can even be reformed in a way to ever work for black people in the same ways that we've seen it work for white people. Right. And I think that is the question at the heart of you know this discussion. But also, you know, of many discussions that are being had around black justice and black lives in America, you know, so I think that's what I that's what I say, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I think that makes sense. And I think as we continue through our discussion, more of like some of the things that you mentioned is going to come out. And so I am um, wanting to wanting to do that. Um, so I know as far as like topics of conversation that we have in mind today, like you started talking about, you know, this difference in how people experience marriage, just like from a historical standpoint. Um, and that kind of leads us into like, of course, love and, and romance oh. and <laughs> don't start. <laughs> um, but I, I I know that there's a, a viewpoint about romance and like what that is. Um, so I'm I'm curious to hear more about like this idea of romance and um, I guess what Stuart argues when it comes to that in relation to um, just romance in general and black love 
a romance okay. between black people. Um, so okay. yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so like, right, like, so one thing I think that's important to know about, like, the notion of romance, right, because, you know, it comes onto our, our, our purview in around, like, the 17th century, um, and I think central to this notion of romance uh, at this shift was this ability to choose, right, like, you know, the romance kind of enhanced agency in a, in a certain sense, like, people were able to choose who they were going to have relationships with, choose who they were going to build families with, so on and so forth, and so we, we have to, I think, probe questions as to whether or not this notion of freedom and this freedom of choice is at the heart of love itself, romantic love. And if so, black, for Blacks in America who have been denied this kind of agency and denied this kind of choice from the inception of this country, um, it, it's, a, it's a real question as to whether or not Black people can ever achieve romantic love, right? When it comes to Black love, right, uh, for Stewart, she conceives of that. Now, granted, she says, look, uh, I know I'm talking about heterosexual relationships, um, and I think, I mean, she, I don't know if that's a shortcoming of the book, but she does acknowledge it as she's talking about heterosexual relationships and heterosexual marriage. Um, and she's talking about it as people who are in or desire to like, uh, be in intimate romantic relationships with black people. Right. And so it's not necessarily talking about people with interracial relationships, although there's some nice sections that that, that problematize and listen, uh, sorry, that problematize that and look at that. Um, but she's focusing on black relationships amongst black people. And she's also focusing on the monogamous context. Right. So she's focusing on two black people who want to uh, be in romantic relationships with one another. And the notion of like the romantic over time, aside from just enhancing choice, you know, right, it's been associated with these warm, fuzzy feelings. You know, it's been associated with uh, the notion of living a fulfilled life. Right. If if somehow you fail to marry, you know, and you're a man, right, then you're just sort of irresponsible or immature, right? And if you somehow fail to marry as a woman, right, you, you, you've failed at becoming a woman and you probably have a life full of, like, cats or something. You know what I'm saying, right? And this is these are not my perspectives. These are just kind of, like, you know, things that come out of this notion of the romance. But it's been sort of, like, substantially, like, you know, Disney narratives or, like, movies that we watch. It's funny because I was in a space earlier, uh, I don't know, was it last week? Maybe this week, whatever. Uh, earlier last week, maybe. Um, they were talking about Love Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like, Black folks love this Love Jones, you know? And um, that's also this movie that seems to sort of, like, uh, describe or present uh, of Black love and the notion of the romantic. But when we watch movies like that, when we watch these Disney movies, when we listen to, you know, the culture lamenting in songs about, like, you know, the one true love and all of this other stuff, how good it feels, um, I think that it contributes to this sort of, like, myth, right? Uh, this sort of, like, unreachable aspiration that we have for our relationships, right? We want to be able to, again, like, have these warm, fuzzy feelings and feel the way that they say we're supposed to feel when we're in love. Um, and when we don't, we confuse, like, why isn't this shit working for us? Why are our relationships toxic? Why are, you know, relationships harmful and full of trauma, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, one thing that Stuart does well um, in, in her book, right, is brings down the notion of love from this, like, pie in the sky, like, type of view about it and, and brings it into the material world and, and shows how state forces, you know, governments um, have combined to restrict uh, and limit, you know, people's access to marriage and thereby people's access to love in certain contexts. And so, you know, it might not be the most romantic thing or the most romantic book, right? I know some readers that I've uh, talked to about this book, like, it's kind of depressing, you know? I'm like, well, I mean, I felt like it was full of real shit. Um, and so, yeah, like this, this notion of love and, and romantic love, I think, comes into question uh, when we think about it uh, for Black Americans, given Black Americans' history with marriage and given Black people's uh, history with uh, bondage, right? Again, a second ago, I was saying like, the notion of the romantic seemed to imply like this, this freedom of choice, 
right? So if romantic love requires choice for people in bondage, bondsmen and bondswomen, right? These choices <laughs> were constrained, restricted, and forbidden uh, in a lot of ways. So um, we have to question how much sense it might even make for Blacks who aspire to this Eurocentric notion of what it means to be in romantic love, right? Um, and whether or not that's a, a possibility for, for Black folks, so. Okay. I have a question. I have a couple questions actually now. Drop on, let's up. do it. Okay. Um, so I'm curious about how you felt reading this book because I feel like, you know, we are all raised for the most part, at least in America, on Disney and, you know, everything else that's like super idealistic. Like it's wild because my mom, when I was growing up, she would not let me read romance novels, which her bookshelves are full of romance novels, but she would never let me read them. And her reason was because the stories were just, there's no such thing as a man like that. That's what she said. <laughs> and she said it was just very unrealistic and she didn't want to have like that type of idea planted in my head that I could find like what's in these like fiction, like fantastical novels. But at the same time, she let me watch like Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella and all the mother. <laughs> That's because I got good songs. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm curious about how you felt reading this. Like, what was your stance on romance before? And like, how has this challenged that if it has? Um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm going to start with that. Okay, cool. Cool. I, and I'll try to be. Um, so for me, like my notion of, of, of black love has always been informed by history. Right. So for me reading it, I felt like I felt seen, you know, because I think that a lot of times. Uh, this, this, uh, I don't know, this, what do they call it when you push in a message, like a soapbox, right? Uh, the soapbox that I'm on, um, oftentimes about, you know, black love ultimately hating us in a lot of ways. Um, it, it just seems depressing. They're like, oh, you love God, like, you know, but you, you sound so pessimistic, you know? And I'm just like, bro, like, we, I want spaces for black people to find joy. And, and I do hope that in some cases we're able to find it in our romantic relationships. But again, I don't want to achieve, to quote unquote, achieve that at the expense of actually ignoring, you know, how history has shaped how we experience one another, right? And so I felt seen, um, and yeah, uh, I forgot the other, that's how I, oh, how I felt reading it, how it challenged me. Um, I think the focus on black women, right, uh, was particularly challenging for me, um, not in a, in a way that, you know, I disagree with other stuff. It just was like, okay, some stuff that I didn't know, for example, like about welfare policies, um, you know, under the Clinton administration. <laughs> Right. Like there was, you know, no man in the house act. This idea that uh, certain black families, black women in particular, with children who were reliant on the state, you know, for some of their sustenance, um, you know, couldn't have relationships and keep, for example, their state support. So if a caseworker would come to a black woman's house on a random pop up and see that, like any trace of, of a man there, right, black or otherwise, any man there, right, they'd write that in a little report. And now this black woman would be particularly uh, at risk of losing state sponsor benefits right and so you know Stewart talks about cases where literally black women had their intimate counterparts high closets you know what i'm saying when the caseworker would randomly pop up just so that they can kind of like maintain their pursuit of love while also kind of like re retaining uh their state their state benefits and when we talk about like forbidden black love i talk about like oh how to you know how governments have you know colluded to to make it more challenging for black folks this is one of those ways you know i've never for example had to hop it. Well, I mean, parents has been different, right? I've been in situations where people's parents have come home and I might have to hop in the closet. It was a little similar. But um, but generally speaking, um, I've never had to experience my relationships uh, in ways that were subject to surveillance by the state in this way to where like, yo, at any given moment, it could be 530 in the morning. I got to get up, rush, throw some clothes on, hop in the, 
you know, hop in the closet real quick. And I think these experiences, right, that are not shared often by white parts, um, again, constrain and really like essentially change the experience of love and intimate relationships for black people. Um, but yeah, the stuff about welfare, I didn't know uh, to the depth that that Stuart goes into. And so I was challenged to kind of like uh, encounter that, uh, a lot of the information that she includes about black women and just digest it. So, but yeah, I felt, I felt seen. Um, yeah, I, I felt seen. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Second question, or I don't even know if this is the second one. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> um, my additional question was so one of the tweets that are, that's pinned to the top here is a um, question on our black love and romantic love, the same thing. And so I would be interested to hear like what your answer to that is. Um, and I'm taking a look right now. It doesn't look like anybody else has answered it, but I'm curious what your answer to that question is. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the answer for me, um, and I, I don't know, right? Stuart, I don't know exactly what she would say to this, but I think the answer for, and I was hoping she might show up to the space, but anyway, um, yeah, the answer for me is that no, right? Black love and romantic love are not the same thing. And I think that romantic love requires freedom. Um, and I don't think that black people are presently free in, in present day America, but also throughout the Americas, right? I mean, I think that arguments can be made for uh, blacks in Canada, for example, that experienced the similar sort, the similar sort of uh, experience. Um, and so, yeah, I think of I think of black love being born of struggle, right? And I think of romantic love being born of freedom, right? And this sort of like juxtaposition between freedom and struggle, uh, I think, is something that changes people's experience what they can call romantic love or, you know, or their romantic relationships and shit. So, yeah. uh, so okay, what do you mean by freedom? What does it mean to be free to you? Ooh, I think freedom for me uh, is, is sort of like this, this sovereignty, the ability of one, like the ability that a person has to govern themselves and the ability that a person has to govern their relationships, right? Um, sort of like free of enemy, you know? Um, and I think, I think of sovereignty in, in that way. And I think of Black people's freedom and sovereignty being under attack uh, or compromised on several fronts. I mean, of course, there's always this economic component. We talked a little bit about how marriage kind of uh, can be viewed as this vehicle for economic mobility. Um, you know, that is not any more dire for anybody other than Black folks. Y'all you know, are not other than Black folks, but but particularly for Black folks, right? You know, from our economic starting place, marriage is almost like compelled or coped around that, around that, around you know our thinking about upward mobility and these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, to, in short, what it means uh, for me to be free is sort of like to be sovereign. Do I have the ability to govern myself? Um, and I think, you know, an implication of that is do I have the ability to govern, you know, my relationships uh, as well? Uh, yeah. Hmm. I feel like there's definitely some people that would argue that they are free as mm -hmm. black people right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, neoliberals. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, like, do you engage in conversation with people um, who have that viewpoint as far as like, you know, oh, what you're talking about was like back in slavery times and like now we hear it's 2022, like, yeah, it's racism here and there or whatever. But at the same time, like I get up and I go do whatever I want to, therefore I'm free. Um, I'm curious about like, like, do you engage yeah. in conversation with the like people who have that perspective and like, what is it, what is your, yeah. your I don't know if I want to say argument there, because like, yeah. what do you say to that? Yeah, no, dope. So, yeah, of course, I encounter it, right? There are people who definitely want to say, like, that we're free. And one of the things that they point to is, of course, you know, economic mobility, right? Like, we, we so there, the people want to look at Beyonce, Jay-Z, right? These people and be like, yeah, you know, like, we can, 
we can do it too, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I think of freedom also in, in terms of collectivity, like collective freedom, right? And one of the things that um, Stuart talked about, right, is the prison industrial complex and how that literally constrains um, um, people's choices. So think about, I said, you talked about heterosexual relationships, right? This is men and women. And these are black people who want to love other black people. Now, if literally the prison population is ballooning, right, with, with black men, um, it is sort of impacting who is eligible to be married, right, uh, at any given time. Although she does say, you know, some people have tried to, to work through the system and, and, and use marriage to um, kind of like subvert some of the inhumanities that are present in prison. You know, she, she has this, this interesting scene that talks about, you know, when when uh, black women go visit their uh, counterparts in jail, right, they're not able to touch. Uh, they have to, you know, be viewed in public. But she talks about literally the radical, you know, the radical tradition and, and sort of like how black some black people protest. They literally protest by having sex in the space where they're like not even supposed to be touching. So in front of everybody, they're just like, you know, let's fuck this. We're going to get it cracking. Whatever punishment comes as a result of it, like we're going to engage in this act, one, for our pleasure, but also uh, for a, as an act of resistance and as an act of protest. And it might be interesting to explore how black pleasure, right, is a kind of uh, a political protest. Um, but yeah, so black people, I mean, people say, okay, you know, well, I'm free, I can make money, this and the third. Well, I say, okay, well, you're not necessarily even free to, 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 to select, to choose, comes back to this freedom of choice, to choose from a full range of alternatives, because a lot of the people who we might find ourselves partnering with are locked up. Um, and so, yeah, I know it might feel like people are free. Um, you know, we don't literally have chains, you know, on our wrists and, and shackles on our ankles, right? Um, but yeah, I think my response is sort of like to, to really rethink, you know, rethink what, what they mean by freedom, right? Freedom of movement. Um, again, that's not even shared by all black people, so on and so forth. So um, it, like many people have seen 13th, many people, which is a Netflix documentary about prison. Um, and many people have read um, Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow. Um, and, and I think, you know, both of these works really talk about like how much from slavery has not changed, you know? So, I mean, I think that there are all of these, you know, uh, arguments and bits of evidence that, that could point to, you know, black people's freedom still being constrained. And, and if our freedom is constrained, I think our love is still constrained. So um, now that's kind of how I respond. People might feel free to disagree, like, oh, he's tripping. We are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can make other appeals as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I try to engage, engage those points, you know. Got you. OK, mm-hmm. cool. Um, I'm going to take a minute to reset real quick just because it's been a little bit and some okay. folks have come in. Um, so welcome, y'all. If you just joined us or came in during the middle of the conversation, we're there. Just having a conversation. <laughs> um, this is a space hosted by Pages, the reading group. Um, their motto is good books, better dialogue. And yeah, our conversations are based off of books, but you definitely don't have to have read them to enjoy or engage. And today's topic was inspired by um, Diane Stewart's book, uh, Black Women, Black Love, America's War on African-American Marriage. And so our topic, our main topic today is uh, what is black love and why is it forbidden, according to Stuart? And so we've been having a really interesting conversation just about um, we covered a little bit about the book, just like what was in the book. Justin gave us like a nice little history lesson on marriage and um, what that looks like for black people um, historically. And uh, we've gone a little bit into like romance and what that means and like what is black love compared to romance and if that's the same thing or not. Um, And so there are a few questions that are pinned to the top here in the Jumbotron if you want to take a look and you can feel free to reply to them to engage. Um, And we'll take a look and and talk about some of the replies if there are any. And also um, if you scroll all the way to the left, the first uh, 
everything that's linked up there are the links to the pages reading group um, socials. So if you want to check out a little bit more and get a little bit more information, backstory on like what this reading group is, it's like, oh, shit, it's black people reading out here. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, um, and talking, and talking big and shit. And talking, you know? yes. Um, and so this is uh, Volume, which is a series that we're starting up on spaces uh, just to talk about things and get the conversation portion going, um, better dialogue going, because got shut down by COVID, but getting back on the feet. Um, but yeah, we talked about that, Black black love versus like romance, what that is, um, freedom and sovereignty. We went into a little bit about that. And um, then we started talking about this like notion of forbidden black love and just how state forces have impacted um, black people uh, from participating in marriage and just have shaped shaped the way that is. Um, and so, you know, you do you, you sound like you're itching to say something, Justin? Yeah, I am just a little <laughs> bit because I, I feel like I left something out like uh, in that last question about freedom, you know, you know, MLK says, you know, none of us are free until we're all free type deal, right? And so that's kind of also how I think about um, um, freedom. And, you know, I get the push, you know, that people want to say that love is love, love is apolitical, love is not subject to uh, the same material forces as everything else. But I, I mean, one of the things that I think Stuart does well, and I appreciate about us hosting this space in particular, is that we, we tend to avoid talking about the politics of love, and we, and we really need to, right? Because it helps us temper uh, this balance between fantasy and reality. Uh, that we was talking about earlier. So I just kind of wanted to to kind of touch on that. Is love a political matter? I mean, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. And I'm curious to know, like, when did you start thinking that? Like, have you always thought this about love, like, since you were young, and this is just something that you've grown up, like, still thinking and talking about? Or, like, was there a shift in your perspective at some point? Yeah, I mean, definitely a shift. There's definitely There was definitely a shift in my perspective. Um, you know, because, you know, full disclosure, you know, I'm a, I'm a polyamorous black man, right? And so there was a shift, right? I used to sort of view things um, like I wanted to be married, bro. I had my life planned out. I was like, gonna be, I'm going to be 33. I'm going to have my first kid. I'm going to be married. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be lit or whatever. Um, and yeah, you know, I shifted, um, you know, probably around the time it started to shift for me around the time of high school. My parents were never married to one another, but they both were like married independently of one another. Um, so I never really kind of had this like this view of, of marriage. Right. Uh, we were raised around the church. I won't say like necessarily in the church. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it shifted for me, uh, especially as I sort of like grew emboldened in my polyamorous identity and started realizing the ways that, yo, even if my black ass wanted to marry. Right. Uh, given, you know, I don't know, maybe I have two or three partners or something like that. Right. Um, couldn't access the institution as such. Right. And that's not just a polyamorous problem, right? You know, the Black feminist tradition tells us a lot about intersectionality, you feel me? Um, and my interse one of my intersections is the fact that I am a Black man. So, you know, a Black polyamorous being barred or excluded from the institution of marriage is, uh, that's a Black issue, it's a civil rights issue. Um, but it was sort of confronting this barring of entry into marriage that made me start thinking about like, yo, love is really political. Um, in a lot of ways, I think about over the pandemic, right? Uh, Canada had like tightened their borders for a very long time. And then there was this uh, blog post uh, or yeah, I think it was a blog post by uh, Gary Jenkins and Eve Rickard uh, that talks about when they opened their borders, they, you know, after a certain amount of time, it was like a year or so, they were like, you know, opening our borders and letting people come across the line, um, you know, if you have a relationship of, you know, uh, a significant romantic relationship, but how they define those significant romantic relationships were again, exclusive uh, and by exclusive, I mean monogamous. 
And so again, we see love politicized all over the place. We see love sort of uh, politicized with the LBGTQ uh, marriage movement, right? That was an entire political movement. Um, I think that also uh, um, informed my thinking about whether or not love is a political matter or not. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and there have been these kinds of struggles around marriage. I mean, uh, Loving v. Virginia down uh, anti-miscegenation laws, which prevented Black people from marrying white people. You know what I'm saying? And so like, marriage and love and intimate relationships have historically just been uh, in the center of our political landscape. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think as I got older and just more politically aware, it became clearer to me how love relationships fit into that, how Black love relationships fit into that, um, and how marriage relationships fit into that. So I, I hope that makes sense. I think it does. And like the more you speak, the more I'm like seeing um, how marriage is political. Can you go more into like love? Because I know like marriage and love hasn't always been tied together. Uh, you started talking about that a little earlier too. Um, and like what I can imagine is like, you know, interracial relationships and how that was like seen as a a thing or whatever that was like illegal to, up to a certain point. Um, is there anything else that um, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. show, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like picking, yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm picking up what you're putting <laughs> down. I am. So like, yeah, so it's like this distinction between love and marriage, right? And I mean, I don't know if you grew up watching Al Bundy, but you know, love in the marriage, right? Oh, yeah. to get like horse and carriage. I mean, I low-key used to like that show though. It was on late and I was up late. So mm-hmm. I, like the, the theme song is impression in my head. But you're right, though. You're right to point out that love and marriage are separate things, right? Um, so how, I can see how marriage is politicized, but how is um, love politicized? Well, it goes back to this notion of the romantic, right? One of the things that we associate with romance is dates, dating, right? Like, you know, on Twitter, every so often, there'll be these conversations about, is a $200 date too much, right? <laughs> right? You know, we know, you know those I know conversations. started that conversation. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we're going to protect their identity here, but we can, <laughs> right. oh, I want the tea, sis. I want the tea. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, um, think about dates, right? Like, I mean, and, and, and again, there's going to be all kind of pushback, right? People are going to say, well, you can be creative. And like, again, these romantics amongst us that want to kind of make these arguments. But I mean, dates cost money, bro. Like, you know, I don't care if you spend spending 200. I don't care if you're going out. Like, even if you stand at the crib and want to just color, you know, because that's something that um, I do with uh, a woman that I'm partnered with, right? You know, we color sometimes, but you still got to have Crayolas. You still got to have the, 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 the coloring book, right? And these things cost bread. Luckily, you know, I have the means to buy crayons and and coloring books. Um, But, you know, we got to think that perhaps there are sort of black people who don't have those kinds of means. And so what does dating look like for them? And again, people be people will love to say, like, oh, you don't need money to have dates. Like, and I I get the the romantic sort of fantasy fictional notion behind that. It's probably why your mama didn't want you reading them damn romance novels. Right. Um, But these like at the very ground level, that is political. The ability of a black person to get a job. Right. And, and not even just a job, but a job that pays them a significant enough amount of money to exist in a in, exist in a romantic relationship um, and one that whoever they find themselves partnered with would be satisfied with. Right. Is, is tied in a lot of ways to directly to people's earning ability. Um, but even still, aside from marriage, right, there are housing uh, laws that prohibit certain amount of non family people or non related people from living in the same household. Right. And so if you are black and in love, whatever, and have a particular kind of landlord, you may not even be able to have a visitation from your partner uh, as frequently as you like or as freely as you like. Right. Um, um, and, don't, and don't let yourself be, like I say, polyamorous in this sense. Right. You can for sure, you know, in a lot of places can't be, you know, a, a polycule 
of about four or five people living under one roof sort of legally um, in a lot of places. And so I think, you know, thinking about this is where we hit the brass tacks of like how is actual love or this notion of, the, of romantic love or this notion of black love, how it gets politicized and, and constrained by, by these other uh, forces. Right. But also also I do want to tether it to love, though. Right. And monogamy, because I think love and monogamy are associated with possession and ownership. Right. I said earlier in the history of marriage, in order to marry, you had to be able to own land. You had to be a landowner. Um, black people, again, were property. Um, but, you know, the institution of marriage it has this history of association with possession, um, with ownership. Um, and I wonder how people's relationships when they aspire to marriage. Um, I wonder how like those elements, uh, those social elements of control, those social elements of like possession, possessiveness and, you know, things that we ultimately call toxicity, right, uh, filter in uh, because at a social level, because of, of, of aims people might have toward uh, being married or something at some point. So it's not even just the case that married people are affected, but people who are not yet married but might want to be are also affected or people who may not want to be at all are also affected. So mm, it's, it's interesting you started talking about um like ownership, because I know I'm looking at one of the replies that we have right now to the question, is love a political matter? And one of the listeners, Lolan, replied, like, I really one of the promotions of love is the idea of owning someone's agency, um, which is real. And I'm like, yo, I just seen a conversation on Twitter about that not too long ago. Um, so like that was that was like a, a really good point. And y'all just kind of like met y'all, y'all intersected right there real quick. But um yeah, yeah, I never yeah, thought of it that shout way. Out, shout out to, to Lowland, too. You know, I think that's who was up behind that comment, so shout out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, because, like, I I guess, like, when people, when you think about, like, free dates, quote-unquote, um, just like, oh, you know, come over, cook dinners, like, you still got to buy the food, you still paying for, like, the extra water that you use in hosting somebody, or, like, whatever else y'all doing. And so, that's, yeah. an, an, like, an, an interesting point I, I never thought of, really. Yeah. And I think, you know, aside, aside from even the free dates too, right? Like, I guess another thing we could say too is like social treatment, right? So even if you're not married, even if you go out on dates or whatever, you're still going to be subject to the gaze of others, right? And in a society where that gaze is predominantly white, right? Or European lens, right? You're going to like how two black people show up in space versus how an interracial couple shows up in space versus how a polyamorous union shows up in space. They're still going to be subject to the gaze, subject to the judgment, um, of other people and how you might be treated. You might be denied entry into a movie theater. You might, you know what I'm saying, be uh, kicked out of a restaurant, right? Like, you know, people talk about how people, like, I don't know, restaurants get black people's food wrong. And sometimes black people are scared to kind of even say anything because they don't want to create like anything that might even be perceived of as a scene. You know what I'm saying? And I think that this perception is somehow intensified when it's like, say, two or more black people um, on a date versus like if it's two white people, right? Like, you know, it's like, yes, yeah, so, you know, we'll fix that right away, you know? Um, you know, but if it's like people, it's like we're being difficult, you know? So then I'm like, what if tonight we want, we really wanted to have steaks at this particular steakhouse, but because of anti-Black discrimination, right? Now, how we are able to exist in love is again, further constrained by forces that are outside of us, forces that are political, forces that are social. So um, I, I, again, we like to think that love exists in this bubble, right? I think that's the Disney narrative. That's the sort of pie in the sky hope that, um, uh, I don't know, like are we, we're just free to have whatever relationships we want. When I, I mean, sadly, as Stewart argues, that's just not true. You know, that's just not, that's just not true. And so I think that the challenge is to find a way uh, to relate um, to one another, you know, under these oppressive uh, forces, you know? Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of like, I be watching Bollywood movies, <laughs> and it reminds me of like how many them breaks. 
<laughs> like those instances and it happens in other types of movies too but those instances where like somebody falls in love with somebody else and like a different race or like from a different class or something like that and then they try and bring them home and their parents are like you being unrealistic this is not gonna yeah. cut it yeah that, that was in aladdin you know what i'm oh, saying yeah. like <laughs> shit he was trying to show my girl a whole new world you feel me and, and like you know what i'm saying the family alibaba was not having it you did so it's like it's yeah. like uh yeah that's that's real and families our political unit as well, mm. social pressure, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, anti-Black racism, uh, I think, filters and pervades our life throughout all of these different, like, like facets and elements, you feel me? Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Mm, okay, well, we have a few minutes left uh, for this conversation, and thank y'all for sticking around. This is our first space, so right, thank we, y'all. we're just trying this out real quick <laughs> and seeing how yeah. it's gonna go um yeah, let, us, but, let us know what y'all think yeah yeah um as far as the book goes like the actual book i'm curious if like you have any i guess viewpoints or opinions on like the strongest and weakest points that were made mm. that you want to go into real quick yeah so i said okay so i so the book is good i give it like a four and a half out of five stars um if I had to pick a weakest chapter, and, and this is solely subjective, solely arbitrary, right? Because I'm a writer and I'm engaged in a certain kind of research project. So the chapter on welfare, I didn't find the most useful to my writing is what I would say. I won't say it was a weak chapter because I imagine it, it, it catering to a certain audience and it does advance her argument about Black women. Um, the strongest chapter of the book, I would say is probably like chapter two, which really catalogs like marriage just after slavery, like in this reconstruction period, right? It's the, it it, it uh, highlights the role of the Freedmen's Bureau in sort of coercive black marriages um, uh, and a bunch of other, like, oh man, a bunch of other stuff. But there are just so many powerful scenes, even in chapter one, for example, of, of slave mothers killing their children um, before letting their children go back into bondage. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, even as they were trying to escape from plantations with their families, right? So... Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I would say chapter two is probably my favorite uh, chapter of the book or the strongest chapter of the book. Um, and then chapter three, I believe, which is about the welfare of Black women and stuff like that. It's an important chapter. It's just not, it, I didn't find it the most useful. Um, so, yeah. Okay. No, that's like, that's, you said that's in chapter two as far as uh, the story about. Yeah. Or the re- recollection. Yeah, that's, that's. That's a lot to start out with. <laughs> yeah, it's five, damn. I think. I think it's like five. Oh, okay. I think it's five, yeah. Five in like an epilogue or something. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, as far as like Stuart's views and like keeping those in mind, you know, we've been talking about like if like, or I guess what Black love is and like why mm-hmm. it's forbidden, mm-hmm. like according to her, but what might it look like for America to support the development or like vitality of Black love? Good. I think that's a big question. We might need to do another space on that. But um, I guess in short, uh, I mean, one, I think it needs to expand it, expand itself. I think it needs to be more accessible to not just Black monogamists uh, that are gay or straight um, or lesbians, but also to sort of non-monogamists as well. Um, I think they should be able to access the institution of marriage. Um, also, I think that the step that, that, that governments that I, this government in particular should begin to think about how it can support intimate relationships that are non-marital, you know? So black relationships exist outside of marriage and they need support too. Um, and, and sometimes, a lot of times more support than their marital counterparts, you know? So I, I'd, I'd probe legislators, I guess, or policymakers to begin to think about how um, 
yeah, or like how we could support those kinds of relationships and what support what those what, what support of those relationships might look like. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's a great question. I think uh, I think we might need to double back uh, and have another space. I don't know if like the last three or so minutes that I got is, is going to be sufficient on that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know me, you know me. I mean, I guess it's a, it's a big question for yeah. sure. Um, well, this has been a dope conversation. Y'all, we're actually not bringing up anybody to speak today because this was our first space and we wanted to just try it out. But mm-hmm. we will have like those instances where we'll open it up um, eventually and so but I want to thank y'all for listening and engaging and um, again if you want to kind of stick with us and stay tuned to what's going on you can um, check out the the links the social links above that are pinned in the jumbotron and also um, you can subscribe to the pages pod podcast and the plan is to upload the volume conversations so the conversations that we have here there as well Um, and oh my bad that was (laughs) My bad. Um, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. (laughs) Sorry, Justin was supposed to say that part, (laughs) y'all. Um, if you were here in the very, very beginning, you heard that there is a Spotify playlist, and that um definitely is a thing. And so, um, I don't. I'm trying to put the music on my. I don't really know if it's working. Um, but. pages is releasing music um, that complements reading experiences that's curated by different members of the pages team so if you're interested in you know getting some tunes while while you read um Mm -hmm. you can you can check those out Mm -hmm. um and you can tune in for volume two which is coming up in june we're doing these monthly yep yeah and you can follow you can follow me yeah follow me you know follow me at your fave uh philosopher that's u-r-f-a-v-f-i-l-o-s-o-p-h-e-r but uh you know i'm all up and through pages as mentioned so y'all could probably find me there uh but i'm I'm that same tag across all my channels so yeah appreciate y'all man yeah this was dope yeah i had a lot of fun thank you for educating us Uh, man i'm just you know i'm just trying i'm just trying but yeah, until, until, until we meet again, man, see y'all next month. Peace. Peace. Pages Pod. It's like a tape.